Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable. That's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the United States this time. And I'm pretty excited. I am here with someone who's quickly become a quick friend of mine. I just met him on Sunday, visited his church for the very first time, Pastor Chris. And he's written a few books. He's given me a couple of those books. And before I left this area, I thought it'd be a, a great time just to sit down chat with you, introduce to our audience your books, and also this teaching that uh, you've just given me a book that I have in my hands called The Gates of Nehemiah. Yeah, thanks Eugene. Yeah, I'm Pastor Chris Monahan from Gateway Church here in Richmond and just glad to be here. The, the uh, podcast has been such a blessing to me, Eugene, and help bring clarity and direction for me as a lost pastor half the time, like, God, <laughs> what's happening here? You know, so I really appreciate your clarity of voice and just so glad to be on the podcast. I love the podcast. We had so, I, I think, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun here on Sunday because um, we, we, we had the service, yep. you know, normal service. We, we kept normal as much as possible. Yep. And then at the end, you know, I went back by the book table and there were some people that was like, hey, we would like to see the, the pill-sized hologram Bible. I was like, all right, well, let's, is there a dark room here? And we went into a closet, and I think almost everybody, not everybody, but almost everybody that was at the service crammed into that closet. It was the um, creepiest thing we've ever done at the end of a service. A bunch of it just creeped into this closet looking at the, the Bible on uh, that little pill you have. It's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, and we had, we had you know, everybody was trying to read from it, which, which worked out well. And then we came out, and it, came, it turned into a question-answer session. Yeah. And, um, and, I, and I, I didn't want to keep anybody, but there felt like there was a great fellowship. Yeah. And uh, there were there were people that were honestly uh, desiring to know more about the mission field, know more about Iran, to know more about uh, China, and uh, we stayed for quite a while. We did. Well, it's so nice. We just usually just hear the Western perspective of everything, and so nice to hear a voice that's around the world and understands the the dynamics of, of worldwide ministry versus just Western American ministry. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the we church. And that's why um, today I was like, you know, just wondering, did you have time? Would love to come back, do a podcast. And um, we've already been together for a couple hours and we, we haven't have. even done the podcast yet. <laughs> haven't even started the podcast. But I, I want to <clears throat> jump in and, uh, and ask you about this book that you have, The Gates of Nehemiah. What is it and, and what is the purpose of it? Yeah, thanks, Eugene. Well, you know what? This book came together for me about 25 years ago as I began to... Uh, I did a book called uh, my master's thesis, actually. On, it was called Cities, Gates, and Elders. And I began to um, try to understand the purpose behind, behind gates and, you know, the scripture where Jesus, it says, uh, Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This kind of always hit me as kind of an odd scripture as like, okay, gates will, won't prevail against us or these like 
are these gates moving toward us or you know what does that mean and so as i began to study hebraic culture ancient culture you begin to realize that the gates of the city were actually the place where judicial decisions were made over the city and if you could rule the city um, if you could if you were in the gates you could rule the city and so there was many blessings that maybe didn't make sense in our culture like uh, your seeds shall possess the gates of the city. And it just began to make me realize how gates were an important um, part of being, um, taking authority, um, using your judicial authority. Uh, It's part of the reason we named our church Gateway Church. Mm. When we came here, we thought we wanna be people who are um, making declarations and praying effectively. And so from that, it just transformed into this book which is, um, it's, it's Nehemiah chapter 3, and I know you love Nehemiah chapter 3, and it talks about how the gates were built up, and uh, the walls were built, and then gatekeepers were put in place, and so it's, it's, a, um, it's a picture of actually our lives, how we, we set up the gates, we protect the gates, we build up the walls, and I developed um, 10 different declarations you make over your life every day, and 10 different prayers you pray over you know, your spouse or your loved ones every day. I, one of the things that I thought was very interesting is that when you talk about um, the scripture where Jesus reveals himself yeah. to the disciples for the very first time, um, I was able to travel there when we did our Chasing Revival series, and I did not know until I arrived, but that was the location where uh, Jesus revealed himself, but it was in Caesarea Philippi, which is away from everything that was Jewish at the time. So when you get there, you have uh, uh, you you have the God of Pan being worshipped um, at this mountain, hmm. and that mountain was called the Rock of the Gods, and it's the only thing there. So it's not like there are other things, and then there's this one little area that somebody made up and said, "Yeah, Jesus was here." No. Caesarea Philippi is only is in one place, and there's only one distinctive feature there. There's nothing else. It's the rock of the gods. So wow. when Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church, he's in the shadow of this rock. And the reason I bring that up is that I did not know until I got there wow. that there is a well that bubbles up from the ground and they couldn't find the bottom of it. And so in the Greek mythology, they believed that um, that, is, that was the gate to hell. And it's called the gate to Come hell. Come on. Yeah, so wow. there's, there's a hole there. It's called the gate to hell. And it was believed that um, the water kept the demons down uh, mm. in hell. And if you could dry that up, they would be able to leave. And um, the reason I, I was touched by that is that uh, that showed to me in, in, in the way that I saw it was that um, the church, instead of being in Jerusalem, Jesus didn't reveal who he was yeah. in Jerusalem, which yeah. was the holy city. Instead, he went into the enemy's territory and at a location where all of the offerings to the pan god, which yeah. is the god of the shepherds, so he's at the God of the shepherds, yeah. and he's in the enemy's territory, which is no respectable rabbi would ever be caught dead in this location. So um, and so he's there, and he's using imagery 
saying that uh, upon this rock I will build my church in the enemy's territory and the gates of hell in his own area will not be able to prevail against it. And I just thought that is such a beautiful idea of a gate mm. and a rock being in the unreached areas of the world where the church is to go to the world to reach them. And in yeah. the enemy's own territory, the gates of hell I love it. Prevail I, I never heard that story. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I want to go. Yeah, yeah. It's it, how it, big is the rock? Um, it's it's basically a, like a small mountain. Okay. So um, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of in South Africa. They have like the Table Rock. Um, they're very close to um, uh, not Johannesburg, but. Um, uh, Cape Town. So right there at Cape Town, one of the main features is Table Rock, Table Rock. It's it's like that mm. that size. Um, you know, it's not Mount Everest. Uh, it's it's um, it's a sizable sizable rock. It'd be a it'd be it'd be something that would stand out where we're at right now, which is in Indiana where everything's yeah, flat. Everything's flat. <laughs> yeah. Everything. So it would it would definitely stand out here, and everything was flat there as well. And it's actually in an area that is run by the Palestinians. So when you go there, there's still live mines all around. So it's still not a hmm. safe place to be. It's still not a Jewish, you know, inhabited area. In fact, the place is called Panias, which is the Arabic word for the god of Pan. So it still has an Arabic name to it. And so um, I, that fascinates me. I'm fascinated with the idea of the gates from hell. And I'm fascinated with the gates of that of Jerusalem yeah. that was run by Nehemiah. Now, how many gates do you cover? Well, I cover um, 10 gates and there's a lot of different uh, archeological finds that will give you more gates, less gates. I just went with the gates that were in ne Nehemiah chapter three. Okay. And uh, the other point I wanted to bring up, which I thought was interesting, that in the New Testament, our leaders are called elders. Hmm. And um, it's interesting that the elders of the Old Testament, an elder would be a judge or a judicial authority who actually sat in the gates. So as a pastor, it always reminded me, like, as an elder, you are meant to actually have a place of authority over the church or over your own life. You can, you know, picture Jerusalem either way. But uh, it always fascinated me that when um, someone is at a gate, we expect them to be a good gatekeeper, let in what is good and keep out what is bad. Mm. And that's what I think leadership is. It's really manning the gate and not being, being able to be deceived or bribed. Say a prostitute comes to the gate at nighttime and the prostitute says, hey, let me in. Well, if you're not moral, if you're not a moral leader um, and you're fall into lust, then you're gonna let this prostitute into the city um, and then that prostitute will affect everybody in the, 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 uh, the congregation that you're governing. Mm. And I, I think it's a, it's a powerful spiritual principle that uh, we have to be aware of with our leaders, that you are a gatekeeper. If you let a thief in the city because you're being bribed by this thief, then um, as a spiritual authority, you're not, you're not doing your authority. Um, Eli was a priest and he was you know, overweight and blind and couldn't see, you know? And so we, as leaders, we have to be well aware mm. of what we do and what our responsibility is. And why, I mean, while doing this study, what did you learn? Because each gate has a different name, right? So, I mean, Correct. you have the Dung Gate, you have the East Gate, you have um, the 
gates that point to certain cities. So you know that the route, for instance, to Joppa mm -hmm. uh, could come from the Joppa gate when there was a Joppa gate or the, the, the um, uh, gates to, let me see what we have, you have uh, the Valley Gate, Dung Gate, Fountain Gate, Water Gate, Horse Gate, East Gate, Inspection Gate, Sheep Gate, Fish Gate. So, okay, so uh, Fish Gate, Sheep Gate, uh, because I, I was thinking Gate to Damascus, which is what well, we have now. Yeah, because the city, I think, has been overrun 18 times. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's I'm sure it's really hard to go find exactly what gates are actually what today. Right. Um, but let's take, for instance, the the sheep gate, which was the first gate. It's, it's the uh, the gate that the high priest put together. And so what we do is we take symbolism. Like I, do, I always tell people, so the picture is here that you um, you are Jerusalem now, and each gate is a place that you make a declaration over your life, or it's a praying for other people. And because, you know, let's say you have a, a house that has 10 doors, if only one, the thief only needs one door to get in. Mm -hmm. So what I've done in my life is it's, um, I go around every day and I have a declaration like at the sheep gate, I'll just take one of these here as uh, the sheep gate, I would say, um, these are the same thing. Yeah, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As I have been fully forgiven, I choose to forgive and show mercy to others. I cast down every accusation, lie, and anxious thought over my life. And so that's the declaration I make every day. And then there's 10 more. And at this gate, I'm inviting in the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then I'm forbidding the spirit of Jezebel, which um, in, in the course you learn about how to invite certain things in and also how to forbid other things. So it's... I think it's a protocol. I, I feel like in the Word of God that there's going to be new revelations coming into the Word of God. It's not going to be new revelation, but it's going to be fresh revelation that's, that's in there. We're just now discovering it. And through this study of the Ten Gates, I felt like it was a thorough uh, way to pray and um, pray for yourself and pray for others. And it covered every area from health to witchcraft to um, humility, to um, you know, worship. It, I, I felt like it would completely cover your life um, and just really inspire you in every day. So you're, it's like going to the chiropractor. You just get everything in line so you're ready for your day. Yeah, and I mean, I know that you probably expand on this in your book. Yeah. But how do you, uh, could you give us a quick idea of how you connected uh, certain elements of a Christian walk, certain characteristics of a, of a Christian walk with each gate. So like you said before, I can read, for those of you that are listening to the podcast, we're, we're actually holding cards in our hand that, that Pastor Chris has made. On one side, you kind of have a, a, a outline of, of the walls of Jerusalem and where each gate kind of it is in in perspective in perspective of, of Jerusalem, the city, but on the back for each gate, for instance, Dung Gate, you connect that to the fire of God. Um, uh, Horse Gate, you connect to influence. Yeah. Uh, how how were how did you make those those connections? Well, if and you, you do that for every gate, I do. Yeah, and so just studying through the different. You know, like a fish, a fish would represent blessing, provision. You know, God mm. provided a fish for Jonah. Um, God provided 
uh, through the fish, uh, uh, taxes for Jesus and for his disciples. So um, the fish gate would be seen as a place of, of blessing and a place to receive and a place to pray for your finances every day and a place to take authority over the spirit of mammon. And what I've done is I've listed out the 10 demonic forces that I believe um, that we need to take authority over. And I always remember I had a professor used to tell me, he goes, I don't believe there's a demon behind every bush, just every other bush, <laughs> you know? And so it's not like it's overly spiritual, but I just think it's important to recognize we are fighting a spiritual battle. Mm. And sometimes we don't know we're being afflicted by the spirit of Python, which is mentioned in Acts 16, or the spirit of divination. So what if every day, I'm just saying in the name of Jesus, I forbid the spirit of Python, which takes the breath out of people, which is what we're dealing with in 2020 right now in the year of the mouth, or maybe that was 2019, but it, uh, it's, it's in a fascinating study when you begin to just correlate different times that let's say horses are mentioned in the Bible. Um, you know, they represent trusting in worldly influence instead of trusting in God's influence. Mm -hmm. Some may trust in horses, some may trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. So mm. just ties them together and then gives you a, a protocol or a, these declarations take about three to five minutes a day. And when you were going through and you were studying certain gates, was there one kind of epiphany that you had, like as you're going through the gates? Because I mean, I went on this journey uh, uh, several years ago, and um, and it led me to because in Nehemiah there is a section that is uh, where the, the Nehemiah talks about a place called the Dragon Well, and me being in China for so many years, anything that has the word dragon in it automatically China. gets my attention because <laughs> of China. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, Dragonwell, you know, and then so I started researching that and trying to figure out, you know, what that meant. And there was so much teaching in that. And it was, it, it wasn't just straightforward. So the discovery process was so much fun. It is. And uh, was there, was there a moment for you where you're doing research and you find something you didn't expect to find, you dig deeper and you're like, wow, there's a nugget. Every single gate was a nugget. And really? okay. the more I began to dig, the more I began to discover. And this is by no, ne by no means a thorough um, study. This is my best attempt, which mm. I'll probably have to rewrite everything in a couple of years and realize <laughs> you know, I, I was wrong in this area, but that's the fun of it. But um, to see the pattern of beginning with the sheep gate, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ, the sheep were sacrificed. And Jesus is known throughout eternity as the Lamb of God and His blood. And we begin there every day, um, Eugene, with the blood, like, thank you for forgiveness. And then I'll go and I'll forgive everyone I need to forgive from the day before. Um, and, you know, maybe you don't have anybody to forgive. I have a lot of people to forgive every <laughs> I day. I have a lot of people that I need forgiveness from. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, need I need them to forgive me. <laughs> yeah. And so what you're doing is you're cleansing yourself. You begin with the blood, just like in Nehemiah chapter 3. And then you just walk around the city and you begin to make these declarations. Um, the, second, the third gate is the old gate, which represents healing. Mm. So that's the gate where I say, Father, I thank you that in every area of my life, I walk in an ever-increasing health energized to accomplish everything I need to do this day. So, uh, you know, a number of years ago, uh, there was a gentleman from Bethel by the name of Steve Backland, mm. if you're familiar with him. 
but he began to teach on declarations and being disciplined and making declarations in your life. And so he was a major influence of helping me um, incorporate that into my own life because I don't know about, I don't know how great your prayer life is, Eugene, but sometimes my prayer life was just, I struggled a lot um, for consistency, for effectiveness, and for thoroughness. And um, I realized that because I wasn't declaring, making declarations over my own life, like this is who I am, um, I felt small. And as I began to incorporate declarations prior to prayer, I felt like I could pray more effectively for others because I, I suddenly remembered I'm not some worm. I'm not the piece of gum on the bottom of God's shoe. Mm. I'm his chosen son, you know, bought by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, you got to build yourself up because, you know, beggars sit at the gates, but sons and daughters just walk right into God's throne room and say, Father, because of what Jesus has done, um, this belongs to me. And I declare this and I speak that. And so it, it just helped me um, have that, uh, power and mm. I didn't feel small when I would pray because sometimes I wake up in a funk and I'm thinking, ugh, I don't want to, I don't want to do today. Yeah. Or I got to try half as hard. I got to try twice as hard to be half as good. Yeah. And so people who began incorporating this in their lives, I feel like have have really um, been able to just have that energy and that the spirit inside of them through the declarations. You know, when when looking at the gates of Jerusalem, it's very easy to feel that, oh, they're just gates, and we are using them as some sort of teaching tool. But one of the things any scholar that has researched the Bible at all that's worth their, their salt uh, will tell you that everything in the Bible is layered. It's layered yeah. for those that needed it during the time that it was written. It's layered for those that lived long after it was written. And it's layered um, in symbolism uh, for people to learn more than just yeah. the practical use or I guess additional practical uses maybe. So as I'm, I'm looking at this colorful map that you've made and seeing the gates as they are laid out around the city and seeing that each name of the gate is associated with a verse as well as a like you know we were just talking about a characteristic did you find any significance or symbolism in the cardinal directions um or the numbering or the way that they were laid out does it feel like they were randomly laid out or does it feel like they were laid out in a specific way for a spiritual purpose even if you don't know all of the gates were there any of the gates that you feel their cardinal direction was important that the the location um you yeah know. Uh, the um and i know you're the east to west right that's your right, yeah. that's been your journey um but so feed that okay yeah i want to <laughs> feed that yeah definitely the uh the east gate uh you know it's it's um you know pointing to the direction of the east pointing to china <laughs> pointing to china <laughs> yeah. what, what i love about the east gate is um is that you know in because the, the muslims have taken over the city and so the current east gate they have actually bricked up and they put a graveyard in front of. Mm. And so because they know, and according to scripture, that, that the Messiah will return through the east gate. 
And I always like to think of the picture of Jesus is sent by the Father back to Jerusalem. And he's coming in to land in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden he's like, abort, abort, <laughs> abort. It's been blocked. Oh, no, what do we do? What do we do? You know, and, but it, it is also a sign that even, you know, even the ungodly realize that there's spiritual significance at these gates. And, of course, brick and mortar is not going to keep our Messiah from returning to this land and um, so the East Gate, I think, is a, a gate that, you know, this is where we welcome the Messiah and it's the gate of worship and mm. it's the gate where we take authority over the spirit of heaviness and it's, it's power over our lives. So that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, one of the powerful things about the East Gate is that uh, this, is, this is where the Messiah will be returning again, if, you know, if we are to believe the writings of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Revelation, um, but it's it's also the the place where most ceremonies you know take place or did take place hmm. before, where husbands would carry their bride you know through the gate like over the threshold, and even today it is kind of tradition. Not everybody does it. It's kind, of, but at least we think about doing it, even if we don't do it. And that's you know the groom carrying his bride right. over the threshold of their new home where they will live together. And so the East Gate has that romantic kind of ideal. When I say romantic, I'm not talking about lovers romantic per se, but just the idea of the groom with the bride going through the mm. East Gate for the, the, for the final time. Well, and I think it's the gateways that are, and when you say thresholds, it's, it's those places where the conflict usually takes place and the enemy wants to occupy those places of threshold of going in and going out. And this is where Jesus was telling Peter that what I believe is the, is the gates of hell or the wisdom from hell, the decisions made in hell will not prevail against the decisions made by his church and his people. So it's, an, it's a course that I've developed that um, what we're hoping is just getting people to, number one, declare these ten, 10 declarations over their life every day, and then also move into that place of prayer. Mm -hmm. So I will pray for my spouse. I will pray for her at every gate, and then um, I'll go around the city and pray one more time for different people on my staff, my children especially, you know, Job prayed for his children every day. And uh, it just gives us a, a pattern. So there's a certain child that will pray at a certain gate or a certain ministry, I'll pray at a certain gate. And it, it's a reminder that um, this is what this person, how this person ought to be prayed for today and pray for our government leaders. And it's, 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 a, it's a tool that mm -hmm. I've, I've made available. Uh, was that... I was in uh, Cambodia back in February, and we were able to teach uh, 150 uh, Cambodian leaders this principle of you know just going through the Word, going through the Book of Nehemiah, and we were um, praying uh, at the Valley Gate. We we did it. We do a teaching, and then we pray, um, and it was amazing how many healings we saw. Ten miraculous healings happen, and they were all backs. And um, when you study the spirit of Leviathan, the spirit of Leviathan, it usually attacks people who have been in ministry a long time. Um, 
because, you know, Eugene, once we are in ministry 30 years, we know everything, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what, that's what I found happening in my uh, own just, life. Uh, what, is, what is the spirit of Le Le Leviathan? Leviathan. Okay. Yeah, what is that? Well, there's a, there's a creature mentioned in the book of Job. Right. That's, this is a, right. it's okay. a creature that right. it says, the day you mess with it, you'll never forget. Yeah, you know, you will okay. not tie the same. It's a very powerful spirit. And the Lord says in Isaiah 27, that on that day, um, the Lord will take his sword and slay Leviathan. So there's a lot of us, and I don't like to make things too overly spiritual, Yeah. but the Leviathan spirit is actually a spirit that um, gains entrance into your life through pride, control, not listening, um, know-it-alls, um, and intimidation. Mm. And so what we find, and what I found especially uh, in this this uh, gate's very dear to me because I, I felt like I had to struggle with pride. I think after you're, we're in ministry sometime, we think, well, I don't need to pray about this situation. I've, I read these six books on this topic. Um, I have 10 years of experience. I know what to do, Lord. And then boom, we fall flat on our face because we are, we're, we're in ministry. We think we know what we're doing. And um, so at this gate, we just invite the Lord to come slay Leviathan over our lives and then we also we repent of any pride, control, um, selfishness, ego. Hmm. That happens a lot in ministry. And, um, and then just walk in humility. Hmm. And that's, um, humility has been my big journey over the last five years is, is um, I was, one day I was just asking the Lord, you know, with the fruit of the Spirit, I said, Lord, why isn't humility in the fruit of the Spirit? And I felt like the Lord told me, he says, because Humility gives you access to all nine fruits of the Spirit. Mm. We, you know, I can't love Eugene without God's help. I can't mm. love myself without God's help. If I humble myself, then I'm inviting in His strength to do that. So at the valley gate is where you deal, because the, the word for um, valley in the Hebrew means to be lifted up. And it's, it's the idea as, as we humble ourselves, um, God will pour His life into us. And water always flows to the lowest place. So that's the picture of we need to be like water and stay humble so that uh, we can have God's provision in our life because it's a bad day when God's opposing us. And God has opposed me in my ministry. I don't know if he's ever done that for you, Eugene, but it's a bad day right there. Yeah, no, I mean, um, when... Like you said, once we've been working for a certain amount of time, we get pride build up mm -hmm. in us and i think that i i don't i, I don't know if i want to say that the enemy sends people our way per se but we can be inflated by those around us those that look to us for answers and we provide answers based on the bible but sometimes i think we begin to believe that we actually have answers inside of us that is greater than even the Bible. And uh, yeah, that pride leads us down some really bad roads. Um, the best thing that could happen to us is, is for us to fall on our face. Um, but sometimes we don't uh, in our own mind. And we continue down those roads and giving people bad advice and believing in ourselves uh, outside of Christ. And they may I, even be good answers. They may even be good answers. But is and it they the Lord? Be, Did we our, really hear the Lord for them? Yep. 
and in our mind we may think that they're you and I talked a little bit about this at some point maybe it was yesterday or whatever but um, or I did somewhere I think that was with you I'm it's been a couple days since I've had good sleep but I think that uh, there are times where we begin to think that we are more merciful than God, that yeah. we are more kind than God, that God's word, God's actions, God's uh, revelations need our explanation. They need our protection. They need our guidance. God needs our guidance to learn how not to be barbaric, um, that we are somehow elite in our understanding, elite in our thinking. And um, in that, that elite state, we have become these all-merciful individuals. And that is a horrible place to be because that leads to more damnation than anything else. Well, the, pride comes before destruction, haughty spirit before the fall. Yep. And when I realized as a, as a Christian that I could actually have God, I mean, as a pastor and God's opposed to me, that was scary. Mm. And uh, when, we, when we were teaching this in, in Cambodia, I just remember one, one lady who had, was um, in back pain for 38 years. She was all crunched over. And um, we, I don't know why, but I always believe this spirit seems to attack the backs of people, lower backs. And so after this session, when we prayed, because we would just command every spirit of Leviathan, every spirit, it, to me, the Leviathan, I look at demons as like infections or, mm. you know, they can affect you if you are open to it. So, you know, like COVID-19 affects the lungs. Well, if you have lung issues, you have to protect yourself from those lung issues. I believe demons are attracted um, through wounds in our lives, um, through generational sins. And if we're in pride, then that spirit, it's like an open door for that spirit to get in. So I do think the best defense against the demonic is, uh, is, a, is a continuance uh, falling before God and say, Lord, let me walk in your truth and humility. Mm. And there's, you know, there is warfare, there is battle that we do. Um, the dung gate, we take authority over witchcraft and different, um, we ask, we just declare that our soul belongs to the living God. And, you know, there's declarations that we make that I believe um, reprograms our minds so that we're not as prone, or at least we're more self-aware and our spirit man's aware that this is easily what could happen to us. Yeah, I mean, um, one of the things that uh, I would like to ask you is that what does your mornings look like when you say that you're praying and, and you're using these gates as kind of a, a, a model or a system, uh, you know, for your prayer life? I mean, you and I have been hanging out today for a couple of hours. And I think at one point you talked about how you start your day yeah. praying using these gates as what a, a system a model of right. markers right well you know first of all coffee okay <laughs> <laughs> get the coffee brewing that's just that's just me um, the coffee gate yeah the okay. coffee gate javaluya <laughs> right uh and you know get get your coffee going find a a, a place probably a, a a similar place every day um and then hopefully alone and quiet the best that you can 
And um, what I would do usually would, would be to begin with doing these 10 declarations over my life. Like I said, it takes three to five minutes. And you'll find something in your spirit just seems to click. Mm. Okay, it's, I always look at intercession as like the, the, the guns that blow everything up before the, the troops run in. Um, mm. You know, we're just doing some like sh- shoot overs. We may not be hitting mm. exactly, but we're going to hit something and make it mm. easier for our ground battle. So declarations I would make, and then I would read a portion of the Old Testament, and then go ahead and begin to pray for people according to the gates. And again, you don't, it, these are not just repeating the words, but sometimes as you're praying for someone, um, something will spark in you that will say, oh, I need to, I need to pray more about this area for them. Um, and how many times somebody says, hey, Eugene, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Would you pray for me? And you're like, yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. And then we forget. Well, every day I try to go through and think, okay, who do I need to pray for healing? So then I'm releasing healing over their lives and speaking that. And one of the things I do want to mention, um, John Maxwell wrote a great book on prayer. Um, the title escapes me. But one of the things he taught was that always have a, a pen and or a, a piece of paper there with you. So when something comes into your mind while you're praying, does that ever happen to you? I don't know. We stop and we begin to think about this thing. Oh, I got to do this today. Mm-hmm. And then we spend five minutes trying to think it through. What he said, just write down, okay, I got to do this today. And then get back on your prayers, back, back on your declarations. And so then at the end of your prayer time, you have, you have this list of what needs to be done. And th- that seems to work the best for me. But um, I definitely pray for my spouse at all 10 gates because you know she's my partner in Christ and I'm one with her. But then each child, um, the president, certain missionaries, certain ministries. Um, I tell them every, every time I see them, I said, I pray for you every day. And it's not, it's no joke. I said, no, I'm serious. Every day. I have a friend who's in deliverance ministry and she's got my dung gate every day. I'm like, (laughs) I pray for that gal because I know she's at the front line. So it, it helps me. Um, I feel I can pray effectively, thoroughly and, and not inconsistently. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, Going through this uh, workbook that you have, this is uh, it looks like an amazing resource. I have not actually gone through it yet, but I plan to because uh, I mean this really does look exciting. If and, and it's it's brand new. It looks like it's trade off the press. Uh, copyright twenty twenty. If somebody wanted to go through this or they wanted to have access to the gates of Nehemiah, this Bible study, how do they do that? Well, for our listeners on the Back to Jerusalem podcast, um, I'm going to offer a coupon for everyone who wants to take the course. Uh, we, I did this course back during COVID-19 shutdown, and uh, it's 11 course series, 11, um, 11 sessions. Uh, you know, one is an overview, and then we go through each gate particularly. And what you'll find in this course is you'll have access to all the declarations, all the prayers, uh, they're, they're there for you. You have all the teachings. Um, the course is usually $35 per person. But what we'll do is um, we'll give you a coupon so it'll be free for you. Just type in uh, BTJ. That'll be your coupon code. So when you go to pay for the course, just put in BTJ for Back to Jerusalem. And uh, the whole 
cost of the course will be covered. Um, just go to our website. Uh, it's www.igateway.org. That's the letter I, igateway.org. And you'll see right on our website, the Gates of Nehemiah. It will take you right to the course. And, you know, you have nothing to lose except um, if, <laughs> if, you're, if you're a prayer life and if you feel like you need help in your prayer life like I did, um, we offer this. We just want to get the body of Christ praying and uh, seeing results and just helping provide more consistency because um, most of the time we just lack tools. Mm. And I'm hoping that because this is a biblical tool, it's based solely on the book of Nehemiah chapter 3. And yeah, there's some creative ways. I've stretched some things to try to, to fit them into each gate. But hey, I have leniency to do that. <laughs> and it works. Uh, that's the main thing. Is it, yep. Does it help you feel closer to God? And does it help you declare heaven's truths over your lives? Uh, it does for me. You know, the Bible says, Proverbs 18, that the power of life and death is in our tongues. So that's why we're declaring these things. If you don't like where you are today, change your declaration. And declarations just reprogram our minds. You know, Jesus saves our souls, but we need to renew our minds with the word, with truth. And man, there's a lot of stuff that uh, still needs to be reprogrammed in me. And some of that stuff is pretty stubborn. Man, I'm hard. I mean, <laughs> I can't change anybody. I'm lucky if I can change myself. Yeah. But through declarations, I feel like we're, I'm able to see more things overcome in my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I'm so glad that you were able to make yourself available for the Back to Jerusalem podcast. Uh, for those that are interested, I'd highly recommend it's called The Gates of Nehemiah. Uh, you can find that on www.igateway.org. That's the letter I, gateway.org. There you'll be able to find the resources for the Gates of Nehemiah. Put in a special code, BTJ, right? That's right. Perfect. Put in that, and then uh, the, these materials will be made available to you. I want to thank you guys so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Chris, thank you, brother. It's Thanks, been brother. a blessing. Hope to do another one soon because you got a assembly line of books yes. <laughs> that have been lined up and coming out. Again, I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of the U.S. God bless you.